Have you had your soup today? And the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. Six pounds, no. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to another episode of Sheologians. We're here today to put the she in fleshly. Oh, I like it. That one is so awkward. I would remember if I'd done it before. My name is Summer Yeager. <laughs> I'm Certainly. Here. <laughs> For sure. I'm here with my beautiful co-host, Joy. And uh, I found another thing that I am not do you remember I told you a couple months ago that like there's some things that I'm just like not willing to replace and that's why I had to like burn my hand before I bought a new pot holder yeah okay well I have another one but this time I'm really not going to replace this (laughs) it's broken it's broken it it's non-functional it should I should just replace it. I could replace it for $15 and I'm not going to do it. And it, I refuse. <laughs> and it's my hamper. Oh my gosh. I was just like, I was like, if she doesn't say hamper, I'm going to have to tell her about how I will never. <laughs> I will never replace and, a hamper. And I know that like, so hampers get expensive. If we're being honest, like, like the fancy ones that look nice. Oh, but the ones that I have are ones yeah. that I have literally had since I was, uh, I mean, I started buying my own hampers when I was 18 years old. So since then, and I like how the liberals will be like, <laughs> plastic, plastics are just going to rot in a, they're just going to sit there in a uh-huh. land for, for another billion years, you know, yeah. the earth billions of years old. Right. Um, and I'm like, no, it won't. It's just going to sit in my house. <laughs> Forever. This is just how the hamper goes. Forever. I don't know. I just don't care. I don't care. It's in my closet. The lid is broken. It's janky. It's wobbly. The plastic is breaking. And I just, every time I do my laundry, so three or four times a week, when I pick it up and the lid just falls off, I go, that's my life. And I'm just going to put the lid back on. <laughs> and I don't care that the plastic is broken. And I don't care. And it's almost like it's that stubborn thing where like you won't watch the apostle because it like upsets people. Yeah. Like I have this conversation, but just like me in my closet, <laughs> just like too bad. Yeah. It's too yeah. bad. <laughs> It's the principle of the thing. It's like, <laughs> yes, the new hamper does not cost that much, but can I get by without the new hamper? But I'm not doing it. Fine. Yes. Yeah. You know what? Yep. Every time I don't buy that new hamper, that's another coffee I can buy. So that's really. Um, well, so I'll tell you, I tried to buy a new hamper. I. You tried? Yes, I did. <laughs> I saw. And I just saw it probably, oh yeah, it was on Facebook. It was advertised to me on Facebook. Okay. It was an Ikea ad. 
and they okay. had these really cute they were like a plasticky type camper of course, of course. they were this like dark teal Ooh, yeah and they had little handles on them that's fancy so I was like I know I will never I know I like haven't ever bought new hampers but I'm thinking I might do it now I'm like it's Ikea so that's not gonna be terribly expensive right I'm gonna go I'm gonna get rid of my white ones and replace it with something just a little nicer wow you want to this is a wild lark they were the most Scandinavian sized hampers it was like what do you need to fit in here two bags of Swedish meatballs okay that's this is perfect I was like, what kind of clothes are they wearing? Well, I guess maybe now some of y'all that only own crop tops and like some of you that are wearing the no clothes outfits. Your no clothes clothes. But I'm sorry, my husband, my husband is 6'4 and it would not have held one pair of his pants. <laughs> like I bought a shoebox when I was nesting and pregnant with Georgia uh-huh. and I cannot put his boots in it. <laughs> They don't fit in it. All literally, all of the shoes I own fit in it. All of my shoes, all of George's shoes, collectively fit in it, and mm-hmm. his boots do not fit in it. They sit right all. outside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that figures. And I, I and mean, that's when I gave up. I was just like, yeah, nope. This is clearly not meant. I'm not meant to buy a new hamper. No. So I am seriously on. I'm on that team with you. I will not. And, you know, I guess I would understand, no, even if your hamper was like fabric, you could just wash it. So it doesn't matter what, it doesn't matter what your hamper is made out of. I think you should stubbornly refuse to ever replace it. (laughs) Whoever like makes hampers is mad right now. I know. We're certainly not putting the her in hamper today. No. Mm -mm. (laughs) No. We will not. Don't touch your hampers, everybody. <laughs> clean them. Actually, clean them. Yeah. I was going to say, once you said, because I don't have the cloth lined ones. No, me neither. Or the cloth ones. And it's like, you could just wash them. And I was like, yeah, you should, you should actually wash them. Yeah. Also, one other thing you should wash that you may not thought about washing is sleeping bags, you guys. <laughs> I would never like- own a sleeping bag. <laughs> Hi, I have so, a like, bed. Here's the best way to not wash a sleeping bag. Don't not have one at all. <laughs> we have Sleep at home. We have Sleep so at many home. sleeping bags. We have so many. I wouldn't I even think have know. five that I can think of. Where do you even where do you even buy a sleeping bag? Is there like a sleeping bag store? I don't I couldn't even like tell you. They're right what, next to the hampers. <laughs> right. And this is why I will never find them. <laughs> I refuse to buy either because I don't. <laughs> no, I don't. I've never even owned a sleeping bag. Not one in my whole career as a human. I've never done it. <laughs> never done it. And I won't. I have no plans on starting. What do you even? Yeah, you should wash those. Do people not wash their sleeping bags? Wait, hold on. Think- hold on. <laughs> Why would you not wash your sleeping bag? I think because you pack it up. And then you like throw it back in your shed once you're done with your camping trips and you just think like in your shed. Well, that's done. Yeah. Or like a closet or something. 
and then you're just like, oh, well, that's done. Like their camping trip's over. But you do enough of those camping trips and you might have some serious. Yeah. Um, Obviously, I'm still working my way through all 18 seasons of Alone. And uh, I just watched an episode a couple weeks ago where the guy got beaver fever. Um, <laughs> which is apparently something that outdoorsy people, they're like, oh yeah, every time you eat a beaver, you get violently ill. Like you get a fever, you get horrible, horrible stomach flu, like symptoms and you like start hallucinating. And the moral of the story is if you see a beaver out in the wild, don't eat it unless you're starving to death but of course that's what you're doing on the show alone yeah I mean even then I feel like if you're starving to death adding vomiting to that yeah if your body's already in stress it's like don't start don't do anything that will make you vomit no so everyone everyone on this season they all they all killed a beaver they all ate one they all got horribly sick and one of them like destroyed their sleeping bag. This is a horrible story. Why am I telling this story? I didn't get enough sleep to do this today. So sorry about that story. But the more all of you out there being outdoorsy people, I just I want you to stay away from those. If you see a critter that likes to build a dam, don't leave it alone. Like just leave it alone. It's not safe is what I've learned. And of course, wash your sleeping bags. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. What a horrifying yeah. tale. Not washing you your know. sleeping bag. My husband doesn't even like to keep them in there, like rolled up in their bags. Like he does for space purposes. But he's like, it compresses the, fill- the, like, the filling inside and it reduces oh, sure. the R yeah. value. And, so he just uses know. it on the bed. It's just his blanket. It's just his well, blanket. Yeah, I mean, when he camps, his preference is to just have a sleeping bag and a tarp. So who knows what's crawling in there, but he definitely needs to wash his. What else would you have? Like a tent. He doesn't have a tent or anything. Do tents have grounds on them or something? Yes, tents have grounds. Well, it really just depends on the type of tent, but I think most tents that people have have a ground on them. But like an outfitter's tent does it. It's just a different type of ground, but I don't. Have you never been in a tent? No. Like when you were young. I've never been camping. Oh, ever. I thought you just didn't. I thought you just didn't like it. Most people don't like camping because they've had a bad experience camping because they like. No. Because their friend was like, "Oh, it's going to be so fun," and then they took them up there, and it was like (laughs) January third. January third. And they're like, why is it so cold? What? Why is my body heat not able to withstand the heat of the the Earth's crust or the the cold of the Earth's crust? No, I've why, never why even tried. <laughs> I've never even tried. I I don't. I will never. If I'm if I'm camping, um, a horrible tragedy has befallen me. <laughs> it's by force. Yeah, I was evicted. Is what happened. <laughs> 
<laughs> like that's what it would take <laughs> for me to go camping. <laughs> I really have never been. Okay. Anyway, um, I haven't told them yet. You can leave us a voicemail. 470-465-0475. Uh, don't forget that we, uh, we had really strongly positive response to our next book club pick which is Out of the Silent Planet by C.S. Lewis. We are going to have a great time. It's our first fiction book club pick. Um, So join us starting August 2nd. I might've just made that up. That's right. Okay. August 2nd at patreon.com slash geologians. And all right, we're here today um, because of you, Joy. (laughs) Because of you. <laughs> well, if you ask all the people, they'll say it's it was all because of me. <laughs> this is one of those one of my favorite occasions when I get I get emails and messages and comments. Um, how dare you let Joy say <laughs> <laughs> what she said? <laughs> Maybe they think you edit the show and that you would like, you could have just cut that part out. Yeah. Can't you guys tell us as a script and I wrote this for Joy yeah. and she's an amazing, yeah. she's an amazing actress because y'all never picked up on this before. Joy is an AI that Summer just <laughs> pretends to talk to and just generate. I was like, make, of- a, make a funnier version of me. Um. No. Well, what's funny is we have not talked about addiction since 2018. And uh, I think in my head, that means we don't ever have to talk about it again. But you and I have a lot of thoughts on this topic. And, uh, you know, I said at the beginning of our discussion a couple of weeks ago about suffering that uh, sometimes it's appropriate to give your bona fides, right? And sometimes it's not. And we do see in scripture, like I can only think of one time in the whole Bible where someone gives their bona fides before they said something. And what I mean by that is the time that Paul was like, here's my resume of why I get to say all this to you because I was this and I was this. And because I've been through this, I get to say this to you. That's the one time I can think of in scripture. And so on the topic of addiction, whenever you and I bring it up, there's a couple topics and they're usually the ones that hit most personally. People will be like, I need to know what your extensive history is on this topic before I will listen to you. And so you and I are rather stubborn about not doing that for a lot of reasons. Um, one being that I, neither one of us believes that our personal experience is the standard for truth. So if anything we say doesn't jive with your experience, it doesn't matter. The question is, does it jive with what's been revealed in the Bible? Uh, we don't, I don't ever want to give (laughs) advice. Imagine if you could only give advice or wisdom on a topic if you experienced that thing. 
Um, this is kind of the, I think as, as people who spent so much time talking about intersectionality, it's important for both of us that, uh, we reject any sort of standpoint epistemology, any sort of, well, I'm this, therefore I get to speak on that. Um, if it's biblical wisdom, that's it. That's what we care about. So when it comes to the topic of addiction, um, I think both of us have extensive experience in different ways, but that it, that isn't, that isn't the, like, who cares? Who cares is what we're saying. Biblical. That's all I care about on this topic. Yeah. And we definitely, I'm glad that you brought up intersectionality because it goes, it it basically just, um, the standpoint epistemology belongs to a specific ideology that says your experiences equal who you are, your experiences are truth, which is all standpoint epistemology means. Um, And it means that it also comes from a worldview that says um, people with certain experiences or more experiences are actually elevated in some way and actually entitled or let's just say wisened. They are viewed as the the wisdom in the culture. Um, And so it's really important that we love real wisdom (laughs) Um, and we don't embrace what our current culture's standard for wisdom would be. Um, And I do, that's not to say that I don't think, I don't think that uh, by experiencing something that can absolutely give you the ability to give wisdom to a person. But the point is, is that the wisdom did not come from you experientially working out that circumstance. It came from you applying the word of God to that circumstance. Um, and I do think, I think it can really help to talk to someone who knows what you're going through. I also think sometimes it can help to talk to someone who is very emotionally, especially in certain areas when it's very emotional. Um, it can be helpful to talk to someone who has no idea because they feel much less, uh, the heartstrings are much less pulled and they don't have as hard of a time saying, well, like, here's what's still true. And this, yeah. is, this is, this is what it is, you know, instead yeah. of there, they can be less likely to commiserate, I guess, is what I'm right getting at. Because sometimes that can happen, unfortunately. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you said um, at the end of, well, what is, what is our, what do we think addiction is? How about that? We agree on it. What is addiction? <laughs> Um, well, everyone so needs addiction to be this disorder. So um, I do think that there, um, I think that as Christians uh, move forward and creating their own classifications and terms for things like this, uh, we'll, we'll see what words we use. I, we use. I think there's 
certainly ways to um, classify uh, different types of uh, drug abuse. And uh, I think there's different ways to classify the physiological effects that those drugs undeniably cause, especially over a long period of time or with high, um, just high frequency, uh, excessive use, all those types of things. So, so that's not really how the world classifies. So, well, I should say that the secular world does classify, like if you were to go to a psychiatrist or a psychologist to be treated for drug addiction, they would take into consideration the physiological effects of the drugs in your system because it's undeniably a physical material issue, um, especially when you're just talking about what we know about brain chemistry. So I do think there, I think that, uh, I think that uh, drug abuse, um, or I guess as people want to call it addiction, there is absolutely a chemical cycle that increases good feelings. Um, but I think that generally when it comes to the psychology, if that's what you want to call it, behind using those drugs, mm-hmm. I would say, A, to call it a disorder, we could call it a worship disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there's a variety of different things being worshipped when people use drugs and alcohol and I mean, against any substance. Because I think that the... I think the DSM even has like a category for like un it's like unmentioned <laughs> drugs. It's like just yeah, other things that people are doing that are drugs that we don't even yeah, really understand yet. <laughs> but I don't know. So I don't I don't think it's uh there in some ways it's helpful to pathologize what's happening within the body when you use drugs. But the psychological components or and treating drugs too. That can be really helpful. Um, but I think when you want to talk about the like emotional, spiritual component, mm-hmm. you're yeah. just looking at the worship problem. You're worshiping yourself, you're worshiping um, maybe it's maybe it's uh, apathy, maybe it's ignorance, maybe it's feeling pleasure. Uh, uh, I think gluttony, you know, we always think of gluttony in relation to food, but gluttony is really just like receiving satisfaction and being like, well, that wasn't satisfying enough. I always need more satisfaction. So it's self-worship anyway. It's yeah. it's a sin disorder. Yeah. Yeah. It's a sin problem. <laughs> it's a sin. Yeah. It's a sin problem that we, I think, like you said, we pathologize it. And then we look at the physical consequences as the problem. Right. So being a drunkard will result in serious physical problems. But the problem started before you became a drunkard, right? The problem is yeah. that you became a drunkard. And the consequences of that are physical. Yeah. I mean, alcohol is one of the most dangerous things to be consuming a ton of and then stop. A lot of people don't know that. Um, If you drink a lot every single day and then you just stop, the withdrawals can 
be extremely dangerous. Um, so I think where people get tripped up is they, they want to talk about the consequences of this sin as though it's mainly the, the consequences that need to be treated, um, as though the consequences are mainly the problem. Um, but ultimately we would say it's a worship problem. If you look at Romans one, we're told there's basically two options. You can worship the creator. And if you're not worshiping the creator, you're worshiping creation in some way, whether that creation is a golden calf or a drug or a bottle of bud or whatever, um, you are either worshiping the creator or creation. So it is primarily a worship problem. Um, and I think what really, why we're really, what really made me come back to this topic and say, we should talk about it some more was because you said, wow, whoa. And I knew what you meant because I know, because we've had this conversation and because we're at the same, we agree theologically on this topic. Um, but you said there's no such thing as an eating disorder Christian. What do you mean, Joy? Like Christians don't sin? What do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? Um, I'm just going to go ahead and say that I don't specific like I couldn't give you a timestamp, but I'm pretty sure in that episode I said <laughs> of course Christians sin. No, you but, probably you know didn't. probably did. When we get to these topics, we can't there's a charge. There's a there's a charge here. Um and it's that it's another kind of problem. It's another kind of disorder, which is um a pride disorder. Or Sometimes I think um, we just, sometimes I think we don't understand how far the current model is from the Bible. So sometimes it's just lack of understanding, lack of knowledge. And I guess to some extent, that's why you, when you have a podcast that people listen to, you would feel the need to bring something like that up. <laughs> just to make sure everybody knows. Um, and now primarily, I will go ahead and say that the reason I would bring it up is the reason I would say like, like once an addict, not always once an addict, um, is because I want freedom for you. So I would hope that I'm certain, well, actually, yeah, I know for sure, based off of the response to the whole eating disorder conversation, that people understand my intention there is freedom and those people have found freedom um and that and this is just this is this it's the same conversation this is the eating disorder conversation and the mental health conversation and the um the addiction conversation are all similar conversations we uh the culture kind of groups them under mental health uh, we group them as sin um, that have now granted sin that has many physical consequences um, and sin that you may not be able to stop doing just on your own. And just to be clear, I think there's a lot of sins we try to stop doing, maybe even successfully, 
on our own, that we shouldn't be. I think in general, there are lots of sins that we attempt or successfully overcome that we never involve anyone in, that we actually should involve someone in just because the Bible says we should. Um, But also, uh, you know, if you want to talk about just a spectrum of consequences, like sinning less and being accountable sooner is always your better option. (laughs) We don't want to do that because we just think like, okay, well, if I ever do that again, then I'll involve someone because I am embarrassed or maybe even I love it a little bit. Um, Now you are, I do think in this, on this topic, you are talking about you are talking about loving, mm. um, and it it's a worship disorder that we love to worship. We mm. really were we were designed to worship. We were created to worship. So the things we worship is not just like oh man, I wish I wasn't so disposed. I wish I hadn't. I wish I hadn't conditioned my brain like a like a dog with a bell to just want this thing so much. Now I'm not saying that there isn't a chemical loop that happens that is encouraging the desire for you to use or encouraging physical consequences, but um, I think that sometimes, often, when we hear the world give an explanation that does not involve us being the sinful center of the problem. We want um, that explanation. Yeah. Yes. We want that. And, and, and it's, we understand even why the world needs that explanation. Um, especially since the world claims to be the most updated, newest form of human being. So we're so knowledge obsessed, um, and so we, well, we all, we've always been so, we've always been so obsessed with understanding ourselves Prayed. apart from yeah. God. Yeah. Um, but we just need, you need to make, like, I can dismantle most of secular psychology right now. I said it on the show before, maybe you missed it. Sin. Right. Most of secular psychology does not believe in sin. Right. So if you're a Christian, Right. That is a very important part of if you're trying to figure yourself out, which I don't even recommend that. <laughs> um, yeah, not outside of scripture. I, no. <laughs> um, no. But yeah, I'm just going to say, like, you are going to have a really hard time wading through. And I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm not saying you can't wade through these things on your own. Um, but especially if you're already in, like, spiritual and physical distress from something, from a substance or a, some, some kind of loop you've created chemically in your body, right. I'm not going to recommend you just like see what you can find out. And of course, I think in the eating disorder, I know, I'm sorry, I'm monologuing, but no, do it. Um, I don't know. I think there's, I think it'd be so helpful to, it can be so helpful in the treatment. I think there's an obvious concern for a person who is abusing drugs or alcohol, which is that they need to stop. They need to stop. Um, and for the person that's not eating food, they need to start. There, There is a physical component that's like, if we lose your physical body, we lose 
we lose the ability to help you physically and spiritually. Right. Um, and, and so there's many helpful things that we can get from secular psychology. There's many helpful classifications that we can uh, use, but we, they don't conflict with the Bible. Um, and I, I, we just have to, we have to be careful about how soothing mm. secular psychology is, mm. can be to us, I guess is what I was trying to say. So there we go. I finally managed to just get one sentence out to summarize instead of just blathering. (laughs) I think one of the most important things in this conversation, something that really hit me hard is that the Bible, when the apostle Paul is speaking in first Corinthians six, he lists all these sins, right? Murderers, thieves, revilers, idolaters, homosexuals, drunkards. He's speaking to a church and he's saying, such were some of you, but that is not who you are anymore because you were washed, you were sanctified, you were made clean. So when Christians want to identify as homosexuals, when the witness of scripture is clearly that when Jesus saves you and washes you and sanctifies you, you are no longer marked primarily by your sin. I think we lost when we started using terms like alcoholic. I'm an alcoholic. As Christians, we lost the ability to say to the drunkard, such were some of you. Mm -hmm. But Paul says it right there, such were some of you. So we can know that in the body of believers that he was speaking to, there were people there who, if they were transported to 2023, would be called alcoholics and would be told once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. But that is the opposite of what Paul said to them. And so when we talk about, that's one reason why I won't use the word alcoholic. I won't say it. It is a term, it is a medical term for a drunkard. And I won't, not because I deny that there's any consequences of being a drunkard to your physical body. Of course there are. Sin always has consequences and it's going to impact you physically because you're not just a spirit. You are a spirit and a body. (laughs) Like these two things until you die cannot be separated, will not be separated. And so we do, we do. Christians a disservice when we tell them, oh, well, once an anorexic, always an anorexic, once a homosexual, always a homosexual. Look at the other things in that list. Can you imagine if we were like, well, once a murderer, always a murderer. I'm a murdering Christian. Well, and in a weird way, we actually do that. Right. We do that our culture we like don't now obviously it's a little different with murder 
that we like, I don't know, like with the, like we don't actually allow for any restitution and repentance and reconciliation. You kind of just always, you like go to jail, you pay your dues. And then even when you leave jail, you still have this like X on your forehead. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, in some ways we, you know, we just, we really don't believe such were some of you, but we also don't believe there's a sinful nature to turn from. <laughs> so like, right. you know, like our culture largely. So. Anyway. Right. Well, and a lot of, I think there's a lot of question around because the wisdom of the world would say, since you're always going to be an alcoholic, here's how you have to live. You know, if there's a party and there's going to be alcohol, you cannot go because you are powerless against alcohol. It owns you. Scripture says it does not own you. Jesus owns you. You've been washed. You've been sanctified. You've been made clean. So now is the question of wisdom, right? What is wisdom in this situation? And that's going to be something that Christians need. This is why the Christian community is so important. This is why you need to be in a body of believers. Apologia was born out of a drug rehab. So I know in the beginning, there's a lot. Jeff talks about it all the time. I mean, his church was made up of people who were doing heroin two weeks before, you know what I mean? Like his church before they walked in. (laughs) Right. Like he's talked about, you know, getting calls in the middle of the night and helping someone go flush the pills they just bought. Okay. So wisdom is going to determine what your life looks like. I'm not, what I'm not saying is, oh, you're a Christian now. So go drink. Everything will be fine. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is, do you view alcohol as your master and does it have mastery over you? How much of that are you allowing in your life? And same thing with any sort of food disordered eating. Are you allowing food to be your master? And if you're a Christian, what does sanctification look like here for you? Um, Colossians 2.20 says, if you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, why, as if you were living in the world, do you submit yourselves to decrees such as do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These are matters which have to be sure the appearance of wisdom in self-made religion and self-abasement and severe treatment of the body, but are of no value against fleshly indulgence. So what he's saying is just because you're not around the alcohol, but you you're in a place where you couldn't even be around it without it being your master, does not mean that you've become free. There's still a problem there. There's still an issue there that needs to be further dealt with. Um, And then he goes on in chapter three, if you've been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things above. I mean, this is great life advice. Just go read chapter three when you're like, well, how do I resist these temptations? How do I submit to a new master? Um, read chapter three, because it's all about how to kill evil desire, how to kill idolatry, which ultimately we would say is what addiction is. 
Yes. Yes. And of course, that's going to involve help. It's going to involve you getting some help. Um, I mean, you know, even like you said, specifically, if someone's abusing alcohol or benzodiazepines, you're going to, like, there's actual risk to your life. And of course, as we know, with many other substances, there's just, I mean, it, the drug itself won't kill you, but there are things that can ease pain. There are places where you can go and they will make sure you don't die hurt yourself and yeah or further uh participate in behaviors that will hurt you Mm -hmm. um there's all kind of all kinds of practical things there's also just I mean I do in a way I like I feel I feel bad that there are are not as many good solid resources in this area for Christians um because uh, I mean, a lot of people come, a lot of people have a salvation story or a testimony that involves some sort of like intense, uh, because you're living such an intense lifestyle, you are like facing your mortality all the time. You are dealing with the lowest of the lowest feelings. And lots of times there is inner monologue there's all this contemplation there's all this uh pitying yourself bitterness um you are just engaging in such a sin-filled lifestyle yes yes a casserole of sin a casserole of sin (laughs) so many different (laughs) ingredients and it smells so Um, bad coming out of the oven So I think that I I really do, I do feel bad that there's not, that I feel bad that um, a lot of times when someone is looking for help from a Christian, that they're getting the world. Mm, Yeah. Um, And it's to the point where a lot of, like, no one has put enough thought into this. So they just go, oh, well, this seems to be how the world handles this problem. Right. Um, and just so you know, it only covers that one problem. So right. not only are you never free mm. from that, but but secular uh, addiction recovery only covers addiction to substances. Um, and now it's been expanded a little bit. I think some disordered eating would be thrown in there, but obviously you could you could make a parallel even clinically, but obviously now there's like pornography, there's gambling, there's, there's all kinds of things now. Um, but yeah, I, uh, yeah, it's like I every, it, it doesn't help that any kind of, any kind of compulsive, constant life ruining sin has been given a label of addiction. Like you said, gambling addiction. And it's like, okay, nobody's denying that there come that there is a a chemical component of elation that happens in relation to sin it happens yeah. because the person doing it loves doing it they're getting something out of it they're they're serving something it when they do it and it feels good no one's denying that but that doesn't remove the fact that it's sinful 
to do. Right. Just because it feels good or the person thinks it's the best thing to do and the person is wrong <laughs> doesn't yeah. remove that it is sin. Um, yeah. And yeah, when you we... are intentionally harming yourself, which being a drunkard, abusing drugs, refusing to eat, binging and purging, these are all forms of self-harm that are sinful. It's sinful to do that. You know, it's like, it's not, we're such an individualistic age. If you ask somebody, Hey, would it be sinful to gamble away your best friend's money? It would be like, yes, that would be wrong. Well, what if you're just gambling away your own money and now you're not going to have a place to live? Well, that's an addiction. No, 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 (laughs) no, no. Choosing to do something sinful with what is yours is still sinful. That doesn't remove the sin. (laughs) Yeah. And you can, you can feel pity for someone and you can feel sympathy for someone that struggles with the sin and that you can feel sympathy for the circumstances and the consequences that has been caused and many times when you're dealing with high high consequence sins you are looking at someone in the face who is in a lot of genuine pain right but when someone is in pain lying to them is not going to help no it doesn't help and here's how here's how you actually here's how the world actually acknowledges that because we go in and we fix things We go in and we fix physical things when someone is hurting in that way. Now, physically, (laughs) it's a a little harder, it's a little easier to align to scripture um, because a lot of the physical observations of science, the Bible doesn't conflict with. But the mental and the emotional component, the pain, the mental anguish, which I mean, even like, you know, if you want to have a crazy conversation, we can have a conversation about what a spiritual and physical organ the brain is. Right. And people, you know, there's a whole history behind this, but the brain is, it's a spiritual organ. (laughs) Right. Um, And they're deeply connected. And we have allowed the world to define so much of this for us. And I'm not saying that I am like, do not hear me say in this conversation that I don't think Christians should let the world, we, it's not that we shouldn't just let them define it. It's that we need to define it. I'm not talking about like, just not believing the lie. I'm talking about like yeah. the, the cure of the truth. Yeah. Having, having, I'm okay with even having like clinical words to describe things that are happening. I'm okay with having spiritual words to describe things that are happening. Um, the, the one thing that is not going to help someone is to lie to them just to get them to put down the harmful yeah. substance, just to get right. them to stop. Cause that won't, it won't, it won't help. Um, there are some things that it will help, but when you're talking about healing a brain, you can heal a brain's chemistry 
And the brain is not just, I, I don't know, I hope people don't hear me say this the wrong way, but the brain is not just a material organ. It's a spiritual right. organ. Right. You can't, it's going to need the proper antidote. It right. needs the proper medicine. Right. Um, and you're buying fake medicine. Right. If you're telling people that, um, well, really anything in the addiction model. Yeah. I think, you, I think it's great to get people who are in immediate harm safe. Because if they die, you can't help them physically or spiritually. Right. Yeah. Yes. But. Yes. But then there's the, the long-term work. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's not an, it, there's a long-term work of, do you actually want to be free because you can't be free from something if you don't even know what you're supposed to be walking away from. And if you are not honest about sin and freedom and how to achieve that and what Christ has done, like you said, it doesn't actually help the person. It doesn't actually help them. And I think we are wrong when we say that um, empathy comes first. You need somebody to tell you this is sinful and you need to stop. You need to repent. Um, This is a worship problem first and foremost. So yes, the message is not to beat a dead horse, but yes, treat the physical. But the physical in most addictions is a symptom of the actual problem because, and, and the world knows that too, actually, because if you look at drug treatment programs, all these treatment programs, they always involve the psychological, always, mm-hmm. they always yep. have all kinds of therapy. It's, and it's not just physical, no drug addiction treatment program only treats the physical. They always want you to go through therapy. They have you relive your childhood trauma. They know, they know that the actual, that the actual problem is not just putting down the drug. The actual problem is not just learning how to eat. Those are consequences of the sin. They're symptoms of the sin, but they are, if that is all you treat, this person is going right back to it. And everyone knows that everyone knows that. Yeah. You basically, unfortunately, what you get into, which we did an episode about this, I would say not too long ago, but sometimes I say that and it's like, <laughs> and that it's was like shocking. Years. Yeah. <laughs> um, but where I talked about the difference between like body uh, or behavioral modification and sanctification, right? Like, am I just acting through? Like, is there actual freedom in just mm-hmm. modifying your behavior and making sure I do everything I need to do? Does that actually solve emotional and spiritual problems? That's Colossians too. Do not taste, do not handle, do not touch. That right. doesn't, that doesn't help you in the long run. It doesn't address no. the actual problem. Nope. It, it doesn't. And you can put up the fences all you want, but Colossians says right now, right there, that is just addressing one side. You're not actually going to be free if that's all you're addressing. Right. And, and, uh, it's just important. It's important to remember that 
behavioral modification is ultimately what the unbeliever what the unbeliever is capable of they are yes so when you eat, when you look at the addiction model played out in mm-hmm. the world not in saved populations you are going to see a different type of success when you see secular psychology played out in you are going to see some alternate reality type success that mm-hmm. is working to suppress those feelings the so the the issues that they're trying to solve the anthropology of who they are the what are humans what who am i specifically and what are we doing here and all these things and why do i feel sad and um when i do the wrong thing see that's the thing is like we believers aren't the only ones that feel some form of conviction when we violate god's law and so it makes absolute sense yeah. it is absolutely consistent with scripture yeah. that someone who is sinning and engaging in sin would be anguished in anguish over it because they're basically operating in this world in the wrong way in a violating way there's a reason why they're feeling guilty there's a reason why that they're they're feeling shame and people feel that who aren't doing drugs <laughs> um right there is a rather extreme group of people that try to silence or check out or feed something in them to make them feel better mm-hmm. um but so that's the thing is like if you if you're lying to people about this mm-hmm. you are lying to everyone who has mental a mental health problem which i say mental health using the secular psychology i u- using this culture's word because they legitimately are having a spiritual emotional and spiritual health problem because they are living in condemnation they will not feel okay they will not be okay they're disobedient and they they're not many of them are not capable of being obedient and they are not okay they right. really aren't yeah they really aren't and i do think that to some extent even in terms and even for me i'm con- i'm convicted of how you view the unbeliever like what kind of position are they in mm. in terms of you evangelizing in terms of you giving the gospel to people mm. in terms of your concern at all for mm. where they're at they mm. really are not okay now we don't we don't facilitate we don't like make salvation happen by we we don't get to, we're not the ones that free people right now we're given instruction on what our job is right our job is to speak the truth to have a defense speak uh gently speak kindly love our neighbor um and so i'm i'm actually venturing to say that you're not doing your job mm. if you're telling people if you're giving people the wrong cure you're causing harm and so if for some reason you are abiding by this model out of love you're not yeah you're mistaken yeah yeah it's like the you know if someone asks you for your coat like give it to them like you're not doing that 
you're not loving your neighbor when you're not honest on this topic. And I bet that's true of anything. Lies, lies do damage. They don't help anybody. And I would say your job is to repent and get honest about it. It's that simple. Right. It, it, it really is that simple. And it's not, it might not feel the best if, especially if it's, this is a new way of thinking about the topic, but that doesn't, that doesn't matter. Like if souls are at stake, it doesn't matter if you feel comfortable in this moment. I didn't mean to like start an evangelism conversation, but you're right. I mean, you're right. <laughs> well, cause a worship problem is something that not just a quote unquote addict. addict right. We have, we have created this special classification for people mm-hmm. that experience lots of physical consequences for their sin yeah, and their brokenness and their feeling of condemnation. These people mm-hmm. are legitimately not okay, but other people who aren't addicted to anything are also legitimately not okay. Mm-hmm. And, and so you can, like the, the worship problem extends, if you, you could have a worship disorder and have never touched a substance, yep. um, but we, we have wanted to create Again, this word touch back, this touches back to what we were talking about in the beginning. We have created the special category mm. for people who have especially painful um, mm-hmm. experiences. Yeah. And they are, there is a different category for them. Right. They are experiencing this in a different way. It's because of a different thing. You don't understand. Um, Georgia just said, Mom, want to see who's awake? Is it you? It's Georgia. (laughs) No, finish that thought. That was, that's a great place to stop. That was so Um, cute. We've created, you're saying we've created a special category for, yeah. yeah. And so, and that's the thing is, you should be able, we all need to be able to say, am I creating a special category for myself? Mm. where I can act like this, where I can sin because my husband didn't pick up his socks or I can sin because I don't have money for gas today or I can sin because of X, Y, and Z. We are prone to doing that. And the reason we do that is because we don't want to stop sinning. We want to create an extra category in the areas of our life where we have a worship problem and we don't want to stop it. We have a disorder and we don't want to order it. So you have to be careful of creating these extra. I am here. Here you go, Summer. Here's something you're going to get an email from. We have created protected categories of sins because we don't want to stop. And people are uncomfortable. They don't want to say, they don't want to say it or they don't believe it that that it's a special category of sin, um, but it is purely 100% done um, ultimately out of the love for our sin um, and wanting to protect it. Yeah. And and you just can't take part in that. That shouldn't sound yeah. good to you at no. all. That should yeah. sound like something you want to uh, not be a part of. You should be seeking out the idols yeah in your life in your heart and you should be killing them or they'll kill you someone smarter than me said that (laughs) and if you love someone 
who is experiencing the very, very painful consequences that often come with a physical addiction because physical addictions are very painful and they're very emotional. Do not help them protect that sin. Don't help them protect it. Don't treat it as precious because that precious thing is going to kill them at some point. Yeah. At some point, if it is protected for the rest of their life, it will cost them their life. So it's very serious that you do not help protect sin in that way. Okay. That was really heavy. That was really heavy. I like had a, I had a feminist of the week, but it's like actually also heavy. So like, I'm not maybe too much. (laughs) Do you guys remember, um, the hampers? Do you guys remember that? (laughs) Remember the hampers, everybody from about an hour ago? Everyone's like, why do they chat so much? And it's like, cause come on. Sometimes we're talking about this. We're trying to all live after this. Like I have to go pull my pot roast out of the oven and make biscuits. So like, um, I have something so cool to tell you. I'm just gonna tell you really briefly, and I'm gonna wrap it up. Somebody, a food, a food photographer, uh, contacted me, and she listens to our show, and she she wants to photographer our cookbook that doesn't even exist. But wow. I'm, I need to forge you this email. I could have told you this off air, but like, I just want her to know because I haven't responded to her email yet. And I probably won't until next week that it was just such a lovely, sweet email that made my day and her, she sent me links to her work and it's gorgeous. And we just have to do this now. It's too late. Like I, yeah, I said I it on air, so it's too late. Yeah. Okay. You guys can leave us a voicemail at 470-465-0475. Join book club or support our trip to the bottom of the ocean at patreon.com slash theologians. We're going to be reading Out of the Silent Planet. That is starting August 2nd. You don't have to have any pre-reading done. You can just come and have a good time. And that's it. We'll see you guys next week. See ya. Swapping your blood with the mouth of high Monsters Whiskey plot boys crowd fratricide Jesus, don't you know that you could have died? You should have died Or with the monsters at all Monsters will walk the earth